Hi everyone. Thanks for joining me tonight as we have this time of prayer. And also we're going to hear a testimony from a great man of faith that I appreciate greatly. And that is Jim Allen. He's a member of our church. He's going to share how the Lord worked in his life and the joy he's been living with since he gave his life to Christ. This is Wednesday before Easter Sunday. And so I want to take the time tonight to be able to look at God's word and prepare our hearts to be able to celebrate him this coming Sunday. I'm going to look in Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to look at the first few verses there about how they came to the tomb and they found an open tomb where Jesus was no longer there and that they began to have joy in their life again because they realized that something amazing has happened, that Jesus Christ did what he said he was going to do, that he was going to die, be buried, and rise again. And that's the great news for all of us that we serve a resurrected Savior, one who conquered death in the grave and paid the penalty for our sins upon the cross that we might be forgiven. So there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was like snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid. Because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he has said. Come and see the place where he's laid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Isn't that the wonderful news in our life that we have a risen Savior who's no longer dead but alive? And so in our lives as believers, we should understand this because each and every day we should be growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Reading the Word of God, learning more about Him, praying to the Lord, living Lord, and falling more in love with Him. So that when we think about who He is, our lives can have great joy. Just like they had great joy knowing what the Lord has told them has come to pass and he was no longer dead, but he's alive. And so tonight we're going to see a testimony from Jim Allen. I want you to be able to listen to that. And if you're in your life and having these issues of saying, why do I go to church? Why do I sit on the pews every Sunday? I don't feel this joy in my life. I want you to listen closely to the testimony of a man who was later on in his life before he gave his life to Christ, who actually worked in the church, taught in the church, led ministries of the church, but down deep he knew he really did not know the Lord. And so if you're in that boat tonight when you hear this testimony, I ask tonight that you crawl beside your bedside and get down on your knees or right there in that couch that you may be listening to it, where you might be at, and give your life to Christ tonight in order that you might find that true joy of knowing him. And so let's watch the video now of Jim explaining how he loves the Lord. Jim, it's good to have you tonight. I'm looking forward to your testimony, how God's worked in your life. We've heard some testimonies of other believers of our family of faith the last few months, and I'm excited about hearing about your uh, walk of faith. So let's just start there. How did you become a believer? All right. Of course, being born in the late 40s and 50s, most children went to church. So I grew up in church, going to church, memorizing Bible verses, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer and everything. But the church I went to was a mission church from New Providence Presbyterian Church uptown so they had a mission church in our area 
So that's where we attended. My wife and I, both of our families attended there. So we spent all of our time growing up, our formative years growing up there. So by virtue of going there, I knew a lot about the Bible. And I memorized a lot of memory verses and stuff. Because that was just, you know, that was part of it. But as I got older, and uh, Connie and I married as teenagers, and as soon as I we got married, I worked in the pot rooms at Alcoa, so I was off one Sunday a month, so I, in a way, just stopped going and everything. Because when I was younger, it was more of a habit. Of, it was just the thing to do, was to go to church and everything. And then as I grew older, then... I went through a period of time when I was not as close to God and not having a desire and everything. But I did not know that I was lost during that time. I had the head knowledge of Christ, but not the heart knowledge. And then a, a young couple knocked on our door and invited us to church at Calvary Baptist Church in Alcoa. So we started attending there and everything. And when in my teenage years, I'd walked an aisle before at a revival, but I'd minimized or minimalized, whichever the word it is now, uh, I'd taken, if I just lived by the golden rule or something like that, that everything was fine. So when I started attending at Calvary, then people would say, are you a Christian? And I would say yes, based on my just trying to live a good life and everything within my own power. And if I messed up, I would reform. So I went through a lot of reformations during that period of time that I was not in church. But as I went to church, they would ask me to take different responsibilities. So I was a Sunday school teacher. I was in the choir. I, I was a chairman of trustees, buying property, buying buses, all that stuff, signing papers. I did all that stuff. But one Sunday night in August of 1984, uh, a preacher preached a message on Judas. And Judas, of course, was one of the disciples. And as he talked about Judas, because I'm thinking I've heard all these messages on Peter James and John, the inner circle and everything, and what they did and everything, but a message on Judas, and that surprised me. But as I listened, I came into the conviction that that's all I was doing. I was walking with Jesus, but not really trusting him, not committing myself to him. And that night, after church was over, and Connie, I, I know Connie knew I was on it. Connie was already a Christian. So we went out to eat, and when we were sitting there, and, and I was very quiet, and, and Connie just looked at me, and she said, Jim, I know that you know who Jesus is, but is he Lord of your life? Mm. And to be honest with you, because she lives with me 24-7, you know, I told her, I said, no. So on August 5th, 1984, in the parking lot at, uh, it's Midland Restaurant now. At that time, it was a restaurant called Jerry's. Mm. And in the parking lot on that August 5th, 1984, I knelt down on the blacktop out there, and I prayed and asked Jesus not only to be my Savior, but to be the Lord of my life. And then he began, he gave me spiritual gifts, which I did not have before because I was doing everything within my own power. And then he started giving me, you know, certain gifts, the gift of service or encouragement, whatever, not as an evangelist. I mean, not what, and in my mind, I think of an evangelist. I know we're all evangelists, but the gift uh, I started recognizing. And then he began to work in my life. And the, the more... The more I wanted to know him, the more I wanted to love him. The more I loved him, the more I wanted to serve him. Mm -hmm. So it was a progression. And and I think during those years that I was not a Christian, because I was 34 when I became a Christian. 
So I don't have a testimony of someone that came to Christ as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old. I was older, so someone asked me one time if I had any great regrets in my life. I think one of the greatest regrets is not coming to him when my heart was still tender and young and all those years that I've missed. And, and I think uh, Satan will bring that up to me, but God doesn't because he says, I can use you from, you know, when you accepted my son. So it's been it's been a good journey, but I can't make the journey without holding his hand, I know, every day because just in the past few years what we've experienced in our personal life and everything. Well, that's a wonderful testimony. You know, you bring up a subject that a lot of people needs to hear about how you can actually work and serve in the church but still don't know Jesus in yes. a personal way. You know, there's a big difference between having a head knowledge that what could be written in the Bible could be true and that you long to be able to go to heaven, but really having that lordship or knowing the Lord as your Savior and yes. longing and loving Him is what God's really called us to. And I, as a pastor, see that a lot where I find people maybe doing things out of duty or ritual or mm -hmm. maybe out of it's kind of a cultural thing to do or, as you put it, have relegated their Christianity down to just the golden rule. Yes. And golden rule is fine. It's a wonderful principle to live by, but... We rob ourselves of the true joy of knowing the Lord. Yes. And if we don't really begin to serve Him and live for Him on a daily basis. So explain to me, once you really became a believer, how did that joy begin, become more and more in your life? And what did you learn and what did you begin to do that just, just kind of kept keeping you thirsty to know Him more? Well, in my particular life, the, way, the more I, I studied God's Word, because by that time, like I could say, I was teaching high school children in church and everything. So the more I knew his word and everything, I kept seeing his plan to prosper us and not to harm us. So as you look at that, and then you just develop that love, and, then, and the more you love him, the more you want to get into that word. And, and there's a place, I guess it's Philippians 2.13, where it says, It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he started placing these desires in my heart to where it wasn't a burden I didn't say you know I have to go to church for work day I have to go to choir practice I wanted to because he changes your wants and your will and he gives you the ability to do it because he whatever he calls you to you know he, he equips you to do it so once you just develop that love affair that uh, that love relationship the more you love him, the more you just, your heart changes. I tell people all the time, 1984, I had a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. But it was a spiritual heart transplant. He took an old heart out that was cold. You know, if you don't become a Christian until you're 34, there's a certain amount of callousness or flippancy about it and everything. And your heart gets hardened and pride sets in. You know, what's people going to say if I walk an aisle and I'm 34 or something? But once... God takes over in your life. None of that stuff matters. It matters what he's doing with you at that particular time. So now the journey for me is, but I've had a wonderful journey. To me, I wouldn't take, what is that song? I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Yeah. But the love, the, the, the work that he does in your heart, the seed of your being, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But it just it's a joy just to, to praise him and to, to worship him, to love him, mm -hmm. to serve him, and just walk with him. It's, I don't know, it's hard to put into words that, you know, that song, if all the ocean was ink and every man ascribed, you couldn't 
write down all the things that you feel about him and everything, but it's neat. Amen. That tells me that you have a flourishing relationship. And that's how we should handle most all of our relationships in this world, especially to our spouses and so mm -hmm. forth, is that how we love Christ should be a reflection of how we love the people around us. And if Amen. you really are loving him, it teaches you how to love the people around you in a better way. I know you love to pray. I yes. I know that you're part of our prayer ministry yes. here. Um, what have you learned through your time of praying for people and seeing God answer prayers? Well, that's one good thing about praying is uh, with the, a lot of the prayer ministry that we have here, we see people on a continuous basis. So we see people we prayed for come back through and praise God for what he did uh, through surgeries and through deaths in their family and stuff like that. But to me, there's a place, Second uh, Timothy talks about, where the, it's one of the pastoral letters where Paul is writing to that young preacher, uh, Timothy. He's writing to Timothy and he says, I urge you, by the, first of all, to pray for people, to intercede, to pray for Thanksgiving, petitions, and all this stuff, you know. But when you read that, you know, and you think, well, you know, that's what he's called us to do. I told people years ago, God didn't save us to leave us here to send me biscuits we could eat. Mm -hmm. He left us here to serve him and to worship him and to pray for people. And I think that's one of the greatest privileges that we have is to be able to pray for people. When, when, when you said, when you asked me if I'd like to be involved in prayer ministry here with the prayer room or with the, the prayer tent and stuff, to me, that was an awesome because I saw that you saw the importance of my house would be a house of prayer. Amen. You know, the last question is, um, your story is a story of delight for me because it shows me and the character of a man who loves Jesus and how you know the difference between religion and, and basically being at a point of uh, doing things just because you thought it was something you're supposed to do yes. and now do it because you love him. Yes. Can you end on telling one specific time in your life where you saw God just really intervene and you can say, well, I can see how he's real and how he's, he's alive here on, on the tangible stuff here in my own life right now? Okay. In a nutshell, I've prayed for people for a lot of years because, you know, as a deacon, you're in a lot of nursing homes, hospitals, and stuff like that. So you spend, and people calling you, you know, you, would you pray for me? But in my own life, sometimes I have a tendency to spend time praying for others, interceding for others, and I fail to in my own life. So two years ago, and, and you and I, you're aware of this, uh, in 2019-2020, I lost nine family members, some tragically in fires and stuff, and, and some of them from cancer, and some of them just, just died in their sleep and stuff. But at that particular time, I had to really rely on everything that God had ever poured into me to comfort me and to hold me and to not question my faith, but to draw closer to him during that time instead of growing bitter, but growing toward him instead of retreating, actually advancing toward him. And I think what he did in 2019 and 2020 has more than strengthened my faith than anything because I've seen his hand. I've seen the people praying for me, uh, the people that brought the cards and the, the letters and the, the meals, the young people that brought meals to my home. Because, you know, I took a few days off during that time just to draw closer to God. And I think that has strengthened my faith more than anything at this particular time in my life. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate you asking that yeah, question. no problem. 
Jim, thank you for your time tonight. Thank and, you. And I know that your testimony has touched my life, and it's probably going to touch the hearts of many more of our church family. Again, thank you for loving the Lord the way you do, and God bless you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that testimony. I did when I heard the testimony and was able to speak with Jim. I want to encourage you again. This is a wonderful week for us to pray for one another and also to be a witness to the people around us. And because it's Easter weekend coming up, it's a great opportunity for you all to bring a friend to church or invite a friend to watch the live stream of our church service. Because people will watch things on Easter, maybe they won't watch the rest of the year because it is Easter, it's tradition. I hope that they will go beyond tradition this year and actually understand the living Savior, Jesus Christ, and have a relationship with Him. And so I want to say a prayer with each and every one of us tonight that we will have the courage to go out and be able to talk to our friends and invite them to church somehow by physically showing up to church or by watching the live stream. And I want to pray that not only that, that many hearts and lives will be changed this weekend and they will enter into a relationship with Christ, not just a religion. So if you don't mind, pray with me about those issues right now. Heavenly Father, we want to pray right now that many hearts and lives will be changed this weekend. That, Father, we'll have the boldness to go out and ask our friends and our family members and our co-workers to either come to church with us or watch the live stream of our church service. I pray during that service time that lives will be changed. That people will really give their hearts to Christ and really know Him as Lord and Savior. And begin to enjoy knowing the Lord and longing to spend days and weeks and months reading his words that comes from the word of God, the Bible. And beginning to pray and spend time with him on a daily basis. You, O oh Lord, and spend time with you. So, Father, with this prayer, I pray that many hearts will be changed for your kingdom. And that many people will be brought into your wonderful joy of knowing you each and every day. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.